0: The Yahoo Pop Podcast! Well, I'm Matt Emery, and welcome to the Alcopop Podcast. On this month, we have a very special label feature and in depth chat with founder and owner Robert Raths of Erased Tapes Records. Erased Tapes is a label that I've been following since its conception, and it was a real pleasure to sit down with Robert to chat about how the label began, its amazing roster of artists, and what else is on the horizon. There'll be music along the way from Oliver Arnold and Niels Fram, Ben Lucas Boyson, Lubomir Melnick, Douglas Dare, and this to start off with, a very fitting introduction being the label's first Uh, This is Lone by Rival Consoles, taken from his new LP, Night Melody, which is out on August 5th.
1: Okay, so um, I still don't think we're really part of the industry as such because I don't believe music is an industry, or at least um, in our kind of universe, it shouldn't be. Um, but yeah, basically, funny enough, uh, the only contact I have with music uh, industry types of things was when I used to work at uh, Music Television. Yeah. Uh, I was around 19 or so, uh, straight after school, and I was designing sets. Um, interview situations and um, you know award ceremony uh, stages and that kind of stuff and it was very creative it was mainly because I had kind of a thing for uh, you know arts and crafts and, and kind of just thinking a bit outside the box yeah um, so at the time I would do something like I don't know like uh, I remember highlights were like uh, creating a star-shaped kind of couch situation for uh, People like um, uh, Bootsy Collins, um, you know, because of his star shaped glasses. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he loved it. He wanted to take it home with him, <laughs> um, which was nice. And then also back, uh, back Hanson, like um, I think it was Midnight Vultures, the re- neon colored uh, record with lo- lots of mannequins. And I, I kind of recreated that in life size. Yeah. So he was basically. Uh, well, he said it It felt like sitting inside his own album cover which again was like kind of like the best compliment i could get at the time and but that was pretty much it like i mean i, I always listened to music uh, all my life like uh, my parents vinyl collection uh, influenced me heavily and um, as a teenager i was in multiple uh, musical projects and um, and then shortly before, actually, I came to London, and the reason why I came to London was I studied architecture. Yeah. Um, which, in a really abstract way, I still feel like I'm way more an architect than I am, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Like, uh, you know, all these terms like ANR, CEO, <laughs> uh, you know, I find them all very ridiculous. I can't identify with them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, um, so 2000. I think it was 2004 that I came to London and 2006 was around the time when I kind of discovered, uh, you know, people like Ryan, rival consoles, um, through Myspace. Um, I had like a a small musical project at the time and I was really experimenting with instrumentation and um, I had lots of ambitions and I kind of realized that Due to time, education, I don't know the, the people around me, um, I couldn't really uh, produce what I was hearing in my head. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I was just unable to actually do what what I felt was um, the right thing to do. But then I discovered all these like super interesting um, characters with with huge, um, yeah, equally ambitious plans and. Yeah. I was kind of the the guy who helped them who kind of enabled them and you know and and so the story began like I mean 2007 was officially the 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 birth of erased tapes and um from then onwards like everything happened really quickly yeah and to be honest at the time I wasn't it wasn't a conscious decision as much it was just I I I think I had a vision and and these individuals had a vision and it kind of made sense for us to work together yeah and often my my, my job is actually just um you know just fit fitting in where where work is needed um and and with everyone is different you know like Olaf had a, a an album that was ready you know and yeah. I didn't really have to contribute in the creative sense um but I was really kind of, uh, I guess, teaching myself how to expand yeah. um, what he was sort of doing in Iceland and bringing him over to the UK and...
0: How, how did you make him out of interest? Because obviously if you're sort of living in London, was that, was that through... Do you knew his music previously or was it just something you'd heard online or...?
1: Yeah, it was just online and um, believe it or not, like, at least half of uh, the people I work with I kind of discovered on, on MySpace, if not... Actually, a lot of them actually discovered me. Like it was just this <laughs> sort of. It wasn't. I don't know. I, I actually I really enjoyed that time because it wasn't like with. Um, I don't know. At th- but at least at that time, it wasn't as oversaturated as say like, Facebook and SoundCloud yeah. and that kind of thing. Uh, and obviously because no one knew. Like really, what Erased tapes stood for. Like it was kind of like a blank canvas. Yeah. So I didn't get bombarded with demos or anything like that. I, I find I struggle with that because, technically speaking, I've never really. Well, I, I don't feel like I ever signed someone based on just a, a demo. Yeah. Um. It, it's mostly relationships and me just spending a lot of time with the music. Yeah. And generally speaking, I probably missed out on. Two three great opportunities in a kind of.
0: Um, Again, going nine years, everyone, every label is always going to have
2: that.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, but simply because I, w- I would be, I don't know, spending, I would I would wait too long. <laughs> but but I don't think that's an issue. I actually, I wouldn't sacrifice that. Yeah. Because I do actually, I, I need to spend time with everything I do, like, um to really truly understand, like, you know, where it's coming from, how it's best kind of uh, supported and, Um, to kind of, you know, create an environment for it. Yeah. Um, Like, I I think the main thing, my main angle is really, I always um, ask myself, what's the best kind of um, environment in which you um, really give the music something that makes it even more, you know, um, I don't know, more hitting, more um, impactful, like it really... You know like if if there's a little ingredient in there that i feel has a very um it, it resonates really well with say um like a big space like a church yeah. or, or something yeah. like that then i wouldn't i wouldn't compromise on that at all i would always try and literally find the, the best places for it and, yeah um you know i mean back then it was kind of really rare to have uh live music in 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 churches so we we would have to know people with keys and (laughs) (laughs) it it felt really uh, almost rebellious you know like uh, you know people kind of think of this sort of modern contemporary classical kind of movement as something a little I don't know highbrow and stiff but it's not you know like in our cases really we all come from a punk rock DIY background and I probably have more in common with like a, a label like Discord, yeah, than with a, a label like Deutsche Gramophone or something yeah. like that. You know, it's with a polar opposite, really, of what they are about. and Yeah, and that's how it started. I mean, literally, like sometimes I just felt like it's really important to have a good plan for how it's presented live. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I have a really good, like, um, idea of how how to create a visual identity and and. Um, create like a, it's almost like a before before you even listen to the record you kind of you lay the, the groundwork just with the with the artwork yeah yeah and kind of prepare the person for the journey yeah um, I, li- I like to think of it like I, because that's how, how I experienced the best music back in the days so I still do like I mean my my record collection is really all on wax and yeah. I love records like uh, you know like a Miles Davis or like a uh, Um, you know, craft work record that kind of sets a tone straight away Um, and and yeah again like uh, I guess we kind of the reason why I still feel like an architect is we're kind of building (laughs) a little world you know and it's (laughs) it's funny because we don't take it too seriously it's like it's whatever you want it to be yeah Um, and it happens you know, it, it, sometimes it's a small, like intimate in-house show. Like we did a listening party the other day with yeah. Ben Lucas Boysen, and there was like maybe fifty people there. But the atmosphere was fairly similar to, like, say, a few weeks ago when we did the the Louvre um, with like a, a six-hour ambient session.
0: Is that, was it with JR? Um, that? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, J, JR made the the pyramid disappear, <laughs> and uh, we 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 created a soundtrack with. Uh, Nielsen Olaf for improviser for six hours yeah, and
0: I really wanted to go to that. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. it
1: was a, yeah. It was a very special one. I uh, hadn't seen anything like that in a while. Yeah. And I must say I was very moved to actually see the two um joining forces again on, on stage, like that hadn't happened in a long time. I mean properly, we literally only played together once. Like, you know, they would join each other maybe for one song. Yeah. But like I think it was 2012 or maybe even 11 that they did um, like a little intimate um, set in in Berlin and there's like a video online. That, I mean, luckily, we had someone shoot it, and um, it really kind of created like an identity for their yeah friendship yeah um, which is amazing because that just proves like some things you can't really predict. I mean, it was just this video team that showed up and they really wanted to to do something, we were all like, okay. <laughs> we didn't expect anything, and then once I saw the material, they really captured a nice sort of intimate moment, very playful. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people could identify identify with that way more than with something fabricated. Yeah. Um, and that's really what a race is all about. Like, Often I, I just try and protect it from the outside yeah you know it's really this and it's not because you know we're very friendly and open-minded people but a lot of the times all these terms and all these kind of rules that some people made up they just don't make sense to what we do
2: Thank mm-hmm. you.
0: It seems like very much a family though in terms of um you even looking at your roster, you know, it's kind of Olif Rahmer's Niels Fran, Peter Broderick working with each other and that's quite a nice thing to have.
1: Yeah. I mean as as Oli once said, like not everyone is best friends, but it's not about that. Like I would never <sighs> it's funny that I, I I'm surprised that no other label has that kind of Sort of fe- feeling that people really truly support each other. Yeah. Because that's in the end of the day, that's all we can do. Like I mean, we only have a set amount of time and that we can spend together. And I mean, most of the time it's crystal clear to me that if you if you have two great things and you combine them, they, they just multiply. And 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 also you create um, you create a, a certain element of chance. And playfulness, uh, I think, makes the whole thing just, just way more adventurous and and rich, and and sometimes like, you know, sometimes you work with people who like for years and years they just hide in the studio and they feel uncomfortable. They're not the most social, um, active uh, creatures, and you respect that. But you're always like, I've got that because I just can't help but think like, oh my god, in one day. That person will meet someone they click with. yeah, And then it's unstoppable that kind of... Because it helps. It helps so much. It helps you develop. It helps them. Um, that It's really a win-win situation. Yeah. And I'm quite happy that we do have this uh, reputation. that We have, you know, we're like a family. Because, yeah. I mean, to me, that's what we are. Like, you know, some brothers sometimes have a little... A row here, and there, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's great. It's 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 helpful. It's actually imp- that is important as well that you you can disagree with each other, you know, and sometimes start like a a bit of a conversation and an, an yeah. argument, like a constructive argument. Yeah. Um, I think it's so helpful that you not just me, like also other people that are involved with erased tapes, other artists that they they feel comfortable enough to actually come with a bit of criticism and actually say you know what the the sound in that space wasn't so good actually maybe You know that now that I hear this um, This record I feel like I prefer the material when it was just solo versions or you know I don't know like there was plenty of moments like good example is um, Peter back in 2001 was it 11 or so? He he encouraged Niels to just let the tape uh, roll and and record a bit of a, a Juno synthesizer, you know, solo piece. Yeah. It was just he was just mucking about really. It, it was like loosely there was a theme, but he was really just you know just improvising and and thank God he 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 recorded it because I mean I wasn't there at the time, but then that was the first step. There was something recorded, yeah. which for a few days, I think he forgot about it, and then he kind of rediscovered it. And then he shared it with me, just sort of saying like, I don't know, you know, Peter felt really strongly about this. I have no idea if it's good or bad. And and I listened to it and I was like, oh my God, it's the best thing ever. You know, and, and he was like really, really surprised. By the I was like, actually, we should put it out on the seventh. He was like, really? <laughs> and sometimes you need that person that kind of goes like, yes, you know, like this is, this speaks to me I yeah. can't quite describe it I've never heard anything like it yeah. even though it's super simple like, I, I mean anyone could just pick up a Juno and play around with it and make it I guess sound in a similar manner but, but to me it actually I can hear Niels' touch Yeah. it's one of the first moments where I really felt like that it's all about how he plays yeah. you know the kind of the, the yeah just the way he approaches the instrument rather than you know what he plays, yeah, and yeah, and that became—I mean—that became the whole beginning of, I would say, the the new era for him, where he would experiment with electronic sounds and. Yeah. Um, I like that.
0: It says has never will be. It's a live version, because yeah. obviously that's the version of it, and that's you know you hear that on radio, like BBC Six playing it all the time. I like that. that that's kind of yeah. in the moment, and that's how it is. And yeah. Rather than going in the studio and kind of, yeah, I, I like that that's the way it's presented,
1: yeah, I mean, it lives from the energy, yeah, and even if you just hear the applause at the very end, the, the people are in that room, and you can kind of feel it like totally. it's different, it's magical, yeah and it, yeah, I, it was quite a bold statement, and at the time, I, I remember there was even a, a moment when Niels was literally kind of almost wanted to put it in the freezer or something because it, it was quite extensive like I mean he I don't know he recorded so many tapes it was like two years of shows recorded yeah. onto cassettes Yeah. Um, and there was even times like you know like, I think the last show was you know when we kind of agreed on a certain um, a running order and the kind of takes that we liked um, there was still something missing you know sometimes you have a version that's perfect but it's not special. Yeah. It's not how you, you know, I would remember his shows and at the time I was still like I was managing him and, and traveling with him a lot and so like it's good to have someone who just goes like yeah this is great but it's not what I kind of was hoping for.
0: Yeah, it doesn't capture the energy of yeah. what you see live basically.
1: And and just to have like that dialogue um, and then luckily we we just had like a, a straight soundboard recording of the St. John's um, concert, which was amazing. Like, it was just that, that was the first time that the energy in the room was so intense that I was like, oh my God, I'm so, I'm so happy that we recorded this. <laughs> but obviously, in Nielsen's head, I think he was like, oh, it's just a soundboard recording. It, it's not the same um, sound quality as the, the tape recording. So it was always like, he was almost ruling it out again. But I was <laughs> like, oh my God, we have to listen to this though, because it was amazing <laughs> the, the tension in there and actually i think two two yeah two of the pieces ended up on spaces and they they made the record like they finished it yeah and sometimes you you know all the other stuff the technical stuff doesn't matter as much it's more that energy yeah capturing that
0: You still, um, I mean, last year was obviously quite an amazing year for you with the proms, obviously being the fastest-selling mm. um, ticket, and you you won best small label and um, sort of your composers winning sorts of some massive awards. Is it is it still a shock or is it becoming? Um, how do I describe it? Like I suppose a normality in a way. Do you still get surprised when these things come in or is it?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean,
0: obviously it's a lot of hard work gone in to get to that stage. I mean, but it's. Mm.
1: Well it's funny that with I mean honestly like I think awards are just a very strange concept. Mm. I mean um, yeah. I for myself I mean I accepted the award kind of for our audience in a way. Like for yeah. all of us together, you know, it's not yeah. like I mean, I'm just doing what I'm doing and I mean I finally finally found something that um I kind of feel like I have a purpose. Yeah. And it's on automation it's like I don't think about it like I just have to do this you know yeah. and I think it's the same with all the artists they just they don't think of themselves as something exceptional or something uh, you know award worthy or something I don't know I mean there's like there's people out there who really you know like a, like a Gandhi or like a Mother Teresa <laughs> yeah. or I don't know like people who <laughs> really like <laughs> you know um, have a huge impact on the world and like but even i mean would they care about it in the war no. no like it, it's it's very- it's very nice like obviously you know um, we're super thankful that um people give us this kind of um, yeah kind of way of showing that they value what we do yeah. um, but really like i mean what really mattered to us was like yeah like the 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 proms was like and I think everyone can agree, including mary, that um in that moment in that space um we knew it was everyone, everybody, like it was out people, you know it yeah. wasn't like the b b c provided a crowd or anything yeah, like that yeah. like, I mean we sold it out so quickly it was yeah. impossible for anyone to add <laughs> uh heads, so like it's kind of um It's so special when you're actually in such a huge institution, and I mean, five thousand people, whatever it was, like, and it's like, um, you know, it's such a classic venue that I never thought I would even. I mean, only recently I actually saw the first concert in there, maybe like a year and a half ago or so. Like until then, I didn't even. I don't know, I never I'd, got I'd ticket. never been,
0: I been last year for Max Richter, and then mm. I went to see the Nils and Wing Victory as well, that's the first couple yeah. of times I've been there. Is, but yeah. it has got an energy to it in there.
1: Yeah, totally, I mean, it's like, I, you know, we were watching Led Zeppelin videos of of, <laughs> of their concert in that space, and, and couldn't quite believe that, and that's where we're going to stage, like, a, I mean, to us it was like a label night, really, you yeah. know, and it like it wouldn't have been possible without Mary at all. Like, because she really, I mean, everyone kind of like here and there. Sometimes they go like a little, oh, you know, you know, are you bribing Mary Ann Hobbs <laughs> or something? Because she's <laughs> championing everything yeah. you do. But it's it's not. I mean, obviously, it's not like that. It's like um, she's like one of the s- strongest characters out there, and she really makes a huge difference in yeah. in public radio. And and I've got utmost respect for her fighting a corner it's not easy especially um, for women in music and she's such a she's such a force you know she's, yeah. she's got golden ears and and when she when she picks something up like it's her it's not someone telling her what to do yeah. and and I, I think she's probably one of those people the BBC even don't know what they have <laughs> in her until you know until maybe she's no longer there or something and then they will realize what what a difference she yeah. made just like a, you know, a John Peel or something like that, um, and and yeah, and she was she had to fight so hard for this to happen. Um, so really, she she deserves the awards, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, we just yeah, it was it was a magical moment, and like I said, it really felt like the audience put us there. Yeah, like. You know, they they were so proud to see Niels and, and Adam and Dustin perform in front of them. Yeah. And they knew that they made that happen. With all of us helping, yes, but, like, they are the core, the foundation. And, and that's always been super important to me from day one. Like, I am the listener. I'm the first person to, li- to hear, like, a little s- sketch or something. Yeah. And um, I... <laughs> If I like and that's why it's like I can't even control it like when I get um excited, you know i get excited. i jump around <laughs> like i I sit on night buses and I go like i sometimes I just scream out loud and, and when there's a, an amazing moment, and I just go what you know like and because I know that in that moment, I know that other people will you know f- or might yeah might feel it in a similar way and 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 that makes me so happy yeah like if when you make you make a difference and you you create like a reaction you know and and I don't know yeah Um, and that definitely was a a highlight yeah Yeah. because it was so pure it was the purest event on that scale ever. and I think everyone like all the people from the Orbit Hall and, and BBC that were involved they all noticed that in that moment they were like wow this is not just some audience this is yeah this is untouched, kind of um organically grown over many years and and just everyone sharing that moment together and everyone being equal, yeah like ideally, we really wanted to the stage to be in a center, yeah yeah, um so people could really be all around it yeah and some some sitting on stage, and sadly, it wasn't possible but but that's what we wanted to do,
2: yeah
0: mm. could, could we talk a tiny bit about the sound, obviously um. Erased Taste has made quite a name for itself in the modern classical and kind of electronic genre. Do mm. you um, see yourself... I know you've got things like codes in the clouds obviously a lot more rocky and things. Do you see yourself broadening out or do you see the sound of things expanding in time?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's in, it's in constant motion. Um, I think there's certain elements that unite all of us. Like, yeah. we have a certain... Uh, I don't know what it is, but, like, I think we... We do get a lot of um, excitement out of a certain combination of sounds, yeah. And that's, I guess, that becomes after a while it becomes like a DNA or something. Yeah, like people can trace it down all the way uh, through the catalog. And not know, someone like someone tried to pin it down and basically said that's all like me. <laughs> And I was just like, "What do you mean?" And he was just like, "Well, you're the, you're the one running it, and surely that's all like, down to you." And I was just like, "Well, it's not like that at all, <laughs> because it's like it's not like you can plan anything like that. It's just yeah. something. I guess it's like a subconscious thing that you um like the one attitude that we share is minimalism, and and the, f- the feeling of there's enough noise out there there 's enough like hectic you know crazy over saturated things and um we just try and create like a space that allows you to kind of step back and and like an alternative and and we do that through like through minimalism mm. most of the time um, but even when And that's the interesting thing like if you want to show minimalism you have to put it in context to something dense and hectic and maximalist so so, you know it's like I personally I would not enjoy being super like um, strict about the the sound that we produce and and almost like just focusing on one palette of sounds because Uh, to me, that's unnatural. It's like a garden where you just grow tomatoes because they're the best sellers. Yes. And after a while, like the the, um, you know, the 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 ground is actually not fertile anymore because it's so oversaturated of this one thing. Yeah. And, and I, just, I don't. I just. It doesn't excite me either. It's just like what, you know. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> like people like v- variety. I like my life is so colorful and I love being surprised and. You know, if you just go through my my record collection, you will see like I listen to a lot of different things, um, and that definitely is reflected in in erase tapes. That uh, you, can, you know, often I feel we need to reset the parameters. Therefore, it needs something that is a little bit more gritty or a little bit more just wild. Yeah, and just in order to kind of you know appreciate the silence and the space again, <laughs> yeah. and if then there's people who go like, Oh, but that's not, doesn't sound like what I think is erased tapes, so and I just go like, mm, Well, then that's fine, but you know, but it is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is part of it, yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting that, um, but I do, I do agree, there's like a certain DNA and a certain kind of. Uh, Identity—it's in the little things. I think it's yeah. like, for instance, when Ben was making spells, um, he was going through like a really hard kind of time where um, you know he lost one of his parents, and it was really um, affected him drastically. And and um, he was at that point where he took a lot of inspiration out of that, like him processing it. All the all the feelings that were going through his body, and and I remember we had really deep conversations. And around that time, he just like he discovered the harp as an instrument, and I helped him find this harpist <laughs> uh, in in Los Angeles. Actually, it was really random, but like I, I really took it upon myself to find a harpist. And then randomly, this um, uh, girl showed up at a at a label night in L. A. It was completely like yeah, just out of nowhere that she kind of showed me like a little video where she did a, a reinterpretation of an Oliver piece on harp and I was like wow I was like you know you need to meet Ben because he really wants to find a harpist I mean I know this is not practical but maybe you can do it over skype or something <laughs> yeah. but and and she's great she's amazing a great player a great person and yeah they really like built this um you know like work relationship over Skype, and they would just send, you know, snippets back and forth. Yeah. And um, but because he was in such a vulnerable state, like he kind of almost couldn't see the forest for the trees. And all of a sudden, like it, it was just harp everywhere. Like <laughs> he literally <laughs> it became this running gag in a way that I was just like he would say, "Oh, I've got another song," and he would say, "You was just like harp, <laughs> harp," you know, and then listening to all I don't know what it was 10 tracks at the time it was just harp everywhere and I, I was just like I gotta be honest but like and I don't think it's I don't even think that he he did it um, consciously it was just a subconscious he, I think the harp to him expressed like a hopefulness and, mm. and um, it totally made sense but obviously it wasn't the right thing for the record and I did find it hard to actually be super honest with him because obviously you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings and, and you never like I always give everything the benefit of the doubt like I would not want to be like a dictator and go yeah. like you know you should do like this because you know music is so personal and but yeah and and like another element was that um, apart from a lot of heart being everywhere like to me I was really missing his trademark kind of sound which is more electronic based and I really felt like something was missing and all I suggested at the time was like maybe he should just step away um, and give it time and, and maybe return to it a few months later. Because he already scheduled like a mastering <laughs> session with Niels and I was just uh, It was so funny because I Niels called me and said like Yeah so I'll see you next week for the mastering session. I was like, What no? It's not ready And he was like really and he's like because Ben just sent it over and I was like well let me talk to him <laughs> and, but sometimes you know because there's no way I would rather, ever ever rush something like that and I'm glad we didn't because after like a few months um, he really was able to kind of you know approach it from a more mm, you know a, I wouldn't say a happier place but a more you know, a neutral place where he was able to actually see everything again mm-hmm. and and that was great and then and then he totally like he included those little electronic like the pulse on golden times one and golden times two and and, and like these things really for me, they make it his yes um and and funnily enough, that is like also what connects it with other things like I can totally yes. see the connection to chiasmos or rival consoles or you know like lots of things that we've done but it's still it's his trademark yeah signature and and i think
0: he sits he's kind of sits right in the middle of the two spectrums it kind of goes off and and he's got the string parts and the piano and then you've got the electron yeah he does sit right in the middle of everything that you've got yeah on the labels
1: yeah and 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 that really effortlessly like and and without thinking about it's just you know yeah that made me really happy, like when when that shaped up, and I I'll, I'll never forget. I was actually sitting on a plane, and I was listening to uh, the new the new mix, and and all of a sudden it it just fell into place. It was just yeah. like wow, and then it was like I think I sequenced it within like just a few a few minutes. Like sometimes that's all that it needs, cause then at the time when it was really like all a little samey like it was really hard to kind of create a journey with it and he was very open like some people are not like some people like Peter for instance he always has a track list in mind and yeah. that's great because he has a concept he would still hear me out and see if there's anything that you know jumps out but generally speaking he, you know he makes the the tracklist, and and with some others like with Niels or, or uh, Ben like they really appreciate Sort of me being, you know, objective and yeah. and being able to just kind of surprise them again as yeah. well. Like, go like you know, I actually I think I feel really strongly about this. So I should start like this. This is the beginning, and then sometimes it's like really, you know, it's like this sort of like mm, I never thought about yeah. this. And I'm actually going through that process right now with a new signing for next year, and and it's great because yeah, I I love doing that. I yeah. mean it's also a reason why I I really love DJing and and, and having my show on on NTS because I over time I think I've um, got a good idea of how to tell a story yes and I think that's really important like a big story but also like a small story in form of an album or like an EP or um, or just a night curating a night and making sure that it flows yeah and it has dynamics and it has like a I don't know, like some kind of conclusion. Yeah. Or not, like depending on how you want it, but just so it leaves something with you. Like you really feel like, yeah, you know, it's not just some record, it's actually like, boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A classic.
0: Could I ask about... Because obviously um, you do get quite hands-on with, with some... Obviously you produced uh, Liebermeer's one... Uh, is it one album or have you done more...
1: Yeah, the well, the, I guess I, I kind of produced the... Well, um, co-produced the the, the mi- mini-album Avertina as well. The, the first one, um, Corollaries, was really... P- Peter was the engine behind that because, I mean, the whole thing was so... Just really strange how this all came about because, um, interestingly enough, like we all discovered Lubomir in different times and different spaces separately from each other. And I don't even remember how it came out, but I think at some point, I think Hauschka, Volker, brought him over and uh, he played like a couple of shows, and that's when people started talking about have you heard of. I was like, actually, yeah, I I listened to her stuff on MySpace in like 2007, and um, and so all of us kind of had like this big question mark, you know, who is this guy? Yeah. Why 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 is he not like, f- you know, why is he not known and in like music history books, like like a Steve Reich or, or yeah, Pair, like it, you know, and it puzzled us all equally, and and so we kind of make a made a pact, you know, like and so like okay, we we need to help this guy, if he really does exist, and <laughs> and this is really like, you know, then then this is amazing, and we, you know it's like a hidden se- secret, and we have to kind of, yeah, introduce him to all these people that would love his music, and so like, there was this concert he played like an ambient festival in in Cologne that we all were planning to go to because actually Niels and Peter played, I think the day before, the day after, um, as, as Oliver Ray, and um, I I got sick really bad, like, you know, it takes a lot for me to actually not go on a trip like that, yeah. and and I was in no state to leave, I had fever, it was bad, it was really shaking, and I just said to the guys, like, you know, whatever you do, just get his number or something, because it was really hard to even get hold of him, yeah. and um. And and like yeah, and see what he's like, like as a person and live, like what is it, you know? I really wanna meet this guy. And then they came back telling me that actually Lubamu was sitting in the audience when they were playing and he came up to them and and told them how much he enjoyed like the kind of atmosphere they created and um and they were like just amazed by him and as a character and musically as well and, and um and yeah and then they straight away said to him like look you know we really would love to help you and you know come to Berlin and Niels has a studio, Peter has like a little setup with Martin and there's this guy called Francesco who has a studio with a nice piano and you know we can kind of uh, all chip in and make it work and so I was part of the sessions and like especially the, the one at Francesco's place and just remember lying on the floor and listening to the six-day moment that he played and everyone else was just taking a lunch break and he was just playing and we had the, the tape rolling and then I was like wow this is the best this is the best piece <laughs> this is just so purely yeah everything he stands for was in that piece and I said th- I don't even think at the time he was even that fast he was just sort of like oh yeah it's just like a what did he call He's got weird names for for songs before they become a song, like like meditation A or meditation yeah. B or something, you know. And he was just, oh, it's just some meditation. And I was just like, whatever it is, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> it, it works for me. <laughs> <It's> the one. <laughs> and yeah, but Peter really like was the driving force, and we would put it together, and he would kind of come up with track names because Lubomir didn't really feel that attached to it. Mm because Peter featured on most songs with the either the violin or or vocal actually there's even a drum track that never appeared um, on the record and yeah and then and then it was just between Peter and I like literally I was sort of more in charge of the uh, the track order the the artwork um, and like that to me was really important to find someone who visually has a similar vision as Lubomir, like this continuous idea and the more I spoke with Lubomir about the idea behind corollaries, like in the cycle sort of of life and death and um, growth and decay, I was just really like inspired to find someone who expresses that visually and for some reason I was thinking of MC Escher at the time and I was trying to find this new MC Escher, and everyone was like I was actually pestering people, and they were all like, well, "What are you talking about? You know, there's no one like M.C. Asher." Out there. And like, people would suggest other artists they know, but no one would really fit that description because I wanted something kind of technical, yeah, similar to the pattern work that he does, but also spiritual in a way, like something that is just out of this world, you know. And, and Asher to me always was that. There was like a certain symmetry and technique in everything that he does, but also there was always something that is quite not explainable yeah. and really just fantastic. And randomly, like at the time, um, um, my girlfriend and I were just walking around Berlin and, and we saw a poster of Bonnie Vere and she she was just like, what do you think of this? And I was just like, I don't know, I mean, f- at first I didn't really get it. I was just like, it's like a watercolor painting, I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, but it's really, you know, um, I don't know, I really like it. And I was like, yeah, I'm not sure if that's the right direction. But and that, but I did check out his website, and then I found little sketches that were just black and white, and they were really gritty and really, like, um, one was actually called Grove and Decay. And I was like, oh, my God, this is meant to be, you know. I was like, that's exactly what this is about. And then I read, like, an article about him, and I discovered that he's using this special, like, Japanese... Uh, Um, sumi ink and and that he's using these like porcelain uh, coated steel boards that are huge like door sized and he would like spray water on them and then apply the ink and it would run and he would really work with like adding and taking away erasing and and creating like this whole cycle of um, like construction and and destruction and and it really like I was like, oh my God, all of a sudden clicked with me. And I was like, yes, you know, this makes sense. I have to reach out to this guy. So I I emailed him and straight away he gave me his number and said, like, call me. And I was like, all right. And then, yeah, he just really loved, like, he discovered it just from a a similar um, viewpoint as us. Like, he was like, oh my God, why have I never heard of this guy? Yeah, yeah. And so we shared that straight (laughs) away, that feeling that he was just like, we got to help this Lubomir. And yeah, and then it just foot like we would just, you know, I think within a day or two we ca- came up with what it needs to be and, and like the die cut would be based on like a um, like a sort of crippled piece of, of plastic, a plastic bag that he was just, like, he took a picture of that, it's really random, but that would be the shape, the outline of the, of the die cut and wow we had this idea so that it needs to be a layer within a layer within a layer like to really sh- like when you, when you open the record and you, by the time you, you get to the music you're already making yourself through so many layers yeah. that... To, to kind of represent the depth that Lubomir creates with his music like yeah. the kind of... the dimensions that he always talks about like I don't... he's not a, he's not a crazy person at all like when he goes on a rant at concerts and he talks about how like sound is not a wave and that he's in touch with the fourth dimension and we should kind of try and and, and you know detach ourselves from all these rules and, and these like linear ideas. Like I think he has a point. Like I'm not saying that he's you know hundred percent right mm. with everything he says but he creates a a thought which I think is is um it's important it's it's um, it's something that we need to yeah we, we should cherish, and we should really be thankful that that exists um, like just the way he describes pianos as like the greatest achievement of humankind and i I can't argue with him about that <laughs> at all like because yeah and and sometimes in front of my eyes he's just like he's like a child but he's also like the the sort of like a wise uh, master, you know, <laughs> at the same time like he, he's able to open a piano and put my head in front of it and 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 ask me like, you know, isn't it like, just listen to this like steel <laughs> and and creating these like overtones and, and like things that he can't even control, he doesn't think of himself as the greatest pianist, he just, he's also just an enabler, mm. you know, what he's done is, for 35 years, he 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 worked so hard on developing this technique and a certain. It's not about speed, but it's kind of like a, an ability to go beyond. And no one would put in the hours like that's just like Avopierre, like like would work on on pieces for like years and years, you know. Like it's a it's a similar scale, like you know, with him, it's like. You know, when he composes something, it really is like a, a big, big achievement. Yeah. So I don't understand why some people shake their heads when he when he sort of when he talks in big words, because I think he's absolutely right in doing so. Mm. Um and, and also never forget he just felt so misunderstood for so long. Like and he's still I think he's just about to kind of starting to realize that like, he's beyond that now and and like the other day he played his biggest show to date in, in Barcelona, Primavera, it was like two and a half thousand people or so who were all there to just see him in an auditorium and and he was so thankful, he had the spark in his eyes and he was just like, because he knew that sort of without Peter and Martin and Niels and Francesco and I like it. It, I mean, it might have happened, but it might have taken longer. I don't know. Yeah. You never know. But but it, it's amazing. I was so happy for him to just, you know, see so many people touched by his his music, and yeah, he was selling like CDRs after the show, like hundreds of. <laughs> Piece. Um, <laughs> straight from the stage yeah. I love that as well he's so punk rock <laughs> yeah. you know like the, the venue doesn't allow me to sell merch so I'm just going to sell it right yeah, here right now cool. literally until the next I think it was Richard Dawson was next and he just walked on the stage and he was sort of like is it okay if I set up and and Louis was oh yeah of course he was still selling something <laughs> <laughs> from the side I love amazing. it that's yeah. so cool too. there's such dedication um because he really wants, like, deep down inside, he just really, really wants people to discover what he's been working on for so long. Yeah. And, like he doesn't even feel um, entitled or anything like that. He just feels like this exists, and I think his biggest fear is that it passes away with him, because he's not that young anymore, and it just. I suppose it's kind of the
0: feeling he gets from doing that. He wants other people to experience that in a way that's. Yeah. That makes sense. It's kind of that feeling that he gets in the moment he wants other people to experience that same Absolutely, thing.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. It's exactly that. Yeah. He feels such joy and he just wants everyone to be able to feel that. Yeah. That's amazing. It's a gift, you know.
0: in terms of labels and things did you um, have any labels that you looked up to when you were younger or sort of loved or are there any labels now that you sort of in- into or sort of always check to see
1: what they're doing if that makes sense um, yeah and I, you know I don't know a couple of years ago I had to kind of um, think about that because obviously it's like a question that comes up here and then, and, and um, because really I mean t- The truth is, I would say no, like, um, which is kind of weird because, you know, I'm running a label, but I never really felt like I was uh, inspired by a label that much. But I think, again, subconsciously, there are certain labels that kind of left a mark. I wouldn't say they were like a direct inspiration in a way that I would go like, oh, what? know that's interesting what they did there, and maybe I should do something similar here, or, or kind of like take it further there, yeah. or like I never thought about another label ever when I when I did this, and I still don't really like I um I try and especially now that we you know we're quite a large team, and well it's not large, but like you know f- considering that first four years I've done everything myself, yeah, <laughs> I'm really thankful that I have people around me who help me and and um surprise me and come come up with um, great ideas as well and, and I'm finally getting my head around being like uh, not the worst um, you know director of a company <laughs> out there and I don't know um, but like with labels I think funnily enough I, I th- yeah like I said Discord probably was an inspiration because their output is so pure mm. and they had a bit of a c- kind of communal feel and you know they they were living together with most of the artists in that weird house and just created a thing and and I can tell that they were really um, they they always thought about their audience you know you see it with like um, like Fugazi or or someone like who would for years and years insist that the ticket prices would remain um, at a certain Price to just enable everyone like to come and and like they were not interested in bigger and better and more money you know yeah. like and and I really respect that and I think as a label, Discord had a similar attitude because they would put their prices on the vinyl sleeve to make sure that actually shops stick to that price. Yeah. And I think that's wicked. Um, and then there's obviously you know a, lo- a lot of labels actually failed. Um, like you know like a factory or like um, uh, Man's Ruin I don't know if you heard of them it's like a stone or rock label and um, so they wouldn't really influence me musically but I think the fact that they it was all or nothing yeah and they really cared a lot about packaging they cared a lot I mean they made bad decisions business wise um, with like they lost themselves in that packaging idea and, and it's um Big part of why why they went under, but 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 it, I really admire that there was um, a conscious decision that they wanted to to do something as 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 intense and impactful as possible. Like they really wanted to 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 do the music justice. Yeah. Um, I suppose it's the passion for mm, it, almost. Yeah. yeah. And it should be like that. I think. Like sometimes I'm surprised. Like how. Bigger productions, like bigger projects, like mm, all of a sudden they lose all that. Um, and I'm not talking about limited editions and kind of going over the top with like I don't know a box set and no one can afford or something. No, like I, what I'm saying is like t- trying to trying to find something that really makes that experience unique. Yeah. Um, from the get go, like there's so many records I bought based on just the record cover, or at least I listened to them based mm. on the record cover and and I, I really admire that when people make an effort and and then there's like labels like I guess Blue Nord or ECM where I have like a trademark um, or 4AD maybe um, again I wouldn't say that like you know I would consciously kind of be inspired but I think um, in retrospect I would always like really simple minimal ideas that, that just just nail it, you know yeah, and just it was such a simple um shape or color or yeah um, yeah, cool, and lastly um
0: what 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 we got for the rest of this year, sort of coming up for the rest of two thousand and sixteen, I know you've got quite a few things announced over the last few weeks or so,
1: yeah, it's getting busy um well i mean in in I think I think we've got like a tradition of um well it's not a tradition as such but but like um somehow our music resonates uh really well in in like the sort of autumn winter period mm. and um i think it's cuz people are less mm, that mm, they're less stressed you know they they kind of they you take a little bit more time to switch off and and just sometimes not do anything and yeah. You know, decide to stay in and and, and just I don't know. Well, at least that's how I always feel about the autumn and the winter. Like uh, the days are getting sort of. I mean, daylight is getting shorter, but in a way, to me, like I feel like I could work for the whole night and um, yeah. There's something about it. So like um, the last couple of years, it was always like that. That like in a way, the the springtime was not as um, hectic and it was more like. The Autumn and, and winter, where we had a lot more releases um, and I think this year is a bit of both almost like because we have been already quite productive this yeah. year and did a lot of uh special projects um with imix and and vessel and and the you know the last um piece of of Oliver and Niels' collaboration and um and then a few reissues with Peter the uh, records so they released with Masayoshi and Guy Andrews like a lot of collaboration records actually yeah. and then again like now really this month was the first big album with with Ben and um giving his first album a second life um so we've already kept busy but I do feel like now actually as you as you just mentioned like we we just announced three records within 3 weeks yeah yes yeah. um and it's it's gonna continue, that's what I can say. Um, so yeah, there's the Woodkid and Neil's project, um, that, and Like the music for J.R.S. Ellis um, film, and uh, then there's um, the Rival Consoles mini album, Night Melody, which we announced last week, and then uh, a brand new Peter Broderick album, which I'm super excited about, coming out in, in late August. Um, Douglas is working on something new.
0: Um, yeah, because you previewed something new on that on the nine year compilation. Yes, which I really loved. So I'm really excited to see what. Comes Correct. Out. Yeah,
1: it was funny because that piece is actually um, the the only reason why it's on there is because he sent over the early mixes, like literally the first mix, like the it wasn't even mixed. I think I think it was raw, just the yeah. raw off the board and. That track already felt complete to me. Mm. Like, I, I love the the fact that his um, vocal is so muffled and everything really like sounds it, really yeah. mysterious and kind of it has an atmosphere about it. And so straight away, based on just you know the fact that the that it wasn't mixed and it was really raw, that was actually straight away my favourite piece. Mm. Um, and he was he was really he kind of was laughing about it actually because he was like. Well, you haven't heard the other tracks mixed (laughs) yet, you know. And I was like, no, no, I'm I'm sure they will be great once they're mixed. But what I really want to say is, I love the fact that this is such an instant, like beauty of a track. Like, because it doesn't need all that. It doesn't need any amazing mixing or mastering. Or you know, it's just it has an atmosphere straight away. It's so simple, and 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 it really got to me. And and the lyrics, I think they're really at the time they really to me resembled what the label is going through and because um, I was working on some new signings and like this whole idea that um, you know you kind of just you are on discovery a constant discovery and um, I don't know the chorus is so eerie like when, when they sing thank you Explorer for the edge you know and it, it's, it's an amazing lyric like and I, I told him straight away. I said, "I think this is the best lyric you've ever written, because it's so simple and and so universal. It, it really resonates. Um, and and yeah, it's true because you can't discover anything if there's no edge. Like you know, you kind of like you need that rim in order to kind of push it or to to yeah. follow it to kind of to jump over it or what you know like this kind of I don't know like it's just I found it so fascinating that he was able to say so much with such little words and so to me it was like a no-brainer it had to be on there because I wanted like most of the time I just want a true representation of where the artist is at that point in time so sometimes I don't know if you notice but sometimes I would even uh, use a track that's maybe two years old but it actually at that moment still to me feels the best way to represent that artist Yeah, and and also like obviously storytelling, you know that you kind of with the compilations I really try and and tell a story of a community, of a um, collective of minds that kind of have their own visions but also share one kind of um, yeah a, a certain set of values and yeah. and and often like I put well all the time actually I put that um, first before thinking about what's the, I don't know, I mean, everyone else would go, "Like, what's the catchiest track or something, what's the most popular track? <laughs> and I just, that idea, like, that concept is fine, it works for most, but it kind of bores me. I, I don't, I don't want the, the the instant, you know, we, we don't need that anymore. there's enough things no. out there that you have instantly, like instant television or instant coffee, instant whatever, you know. Um, I love something that you actually have to
0: unravel almost.
1: Yeah, and you have to put in the time yeah. To, to really, um yeah, to to really kind of get something back. I think there's nothing more exciting than listening to
0: something that you've had for a couple of months and then you notice something new, like a new instrument or a new sound, and then you've got to listen to it again another ten times because it is so fresh again.
1: Yeah. And that's yeah. I was I was talking with um Marianne about that last night at the um, the new Tate opened and um, it, it was another strange moment where I walk into the Turbine Hall and I actually hear Ben's track um, you know it's like it's strange for me because I, I kind of go, I know this <laughs> and I'm like I shouldn't really know what this is what is this because it's so obvious it's yeah. so like in front of you that you actually can't see it yeah so I just walked for, it and then slowly I realized this is Ben's track. And then I was like, oh, of course, you know, Mary is, is DJing. But obviously, I, I, you know, I didn't expect it at all. Mm. And it was amazing to see how people kind of reacted to it, just looking up and kind of feeling the, the piece shaping and shaping. And, and we were actually talking about that because she said that um, in a way uh, quite a few pieces that she premiered for us, um, share a certain structure that, like, they're not short pieces, they're quite long, like yeah. six, eight minute pieces, and they would start at almost zero and they would build and build, um, but not like a post rock song or something, more like um, just like life. Yeah. You know, to me, like Says or, or Golden Times One or now Peter's carry track, like, to me, they re- resemble like an aspect of life like may it be the sun sort of rays kind of hitting you through like you know the leaves of a tree or something the wind sort of building or or just like simple movements that are there from the beginning of time and we we should really um, sometimes we should just stop and take a little time to rediscover those things and appreciate them again
2: yeah
1: and I think that's what this like 'cause music isn't rocket science, like all these instruments have been used before in in lots of combinations, but i th- I do feel that with these pieces we managed to kind of remind ourselves and everyone around us of the the beauty of pace, simplicity, kind of atmosphere, you know the what's happening in between the notes yeah and and yeah, and then in that space, obviously I mean the turbine hall was so. Mm. Epic, and it it gave me shivers right away. And and I love it when that happens. When even though I've heard the track like, I don't know, probably a hundred times, I I really discovered it again. Yeah, you know, that's when you really know like there's something special there. Yeah,
0: amazing. Thank you so much for your time today, it's really, really appreciated. My pleasure,
1: thanks. Thank you.
2: Without a man or die Without